Getting into our last week, <clears throat> I'm going to read the introduction that um, has, has started all of our sermons, introducing John, which is this, that each of us come from different places, some from poor families, some from rich families, some of us grew up in the country, some of us grew up in the bustling city, some of us grew up in families where the name of Jesus was worshipped. And others grew up in families where the name of Jesus was never mentioned at all. And because of our very unique upbringings, sometimes we can make the excuse, well, God is so far away that he could never, ever relate with me. Well, the book of John is written for you if you feel like God is far away. In the end of John, it says this, these stories are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in his name, you may have life. And so God is not distant. God moved into our neighborhood. And by putting our trust completely in Jesus, we can have full and eternal life. That's the Gospel of John. So last week is this, confronting our failure. Have you guys ever had to confront failure. And I'm not talking about someone else's failure because that's a lot nicer to think about, right? I'm talking about confronting your own failure, right? Life was going so well, work was going great, family life, amazing. Then all of a sudden you just had to say that, that. You know that thing you said that all of a sudden work wasn't going great, or family wasn't going too great anymore. You were playing a board game with your family, things got a little intense, you lost, and you said some things that you, I'm talking to you, Jordan, I'm just (laughs) uh, he was actually bringing it in backgammon in Turkey, wait for those stories. So, (laughs) You, you said something that all of a sudden, that maybe, maybe it got calm for that moment, but as you were going to bed, it just settled on you. You screwed up. And you have to wake up in the morning. right? You have to face your family. And that thing you said, that thing you have done, isn't going away. Right? Time isn't going to heal that wound. And the person you said that thing to... When they see you, they will remember it just as much as you'll remember it, right? Failure. How do we deal with that? Well, the big idea for today is this, that you and Jesus remember failure differently. That you and Jesus remember failure differently. And the question he poses to Peter as we get into these verses that we're in today, John 21, 15 through 25, is this. That, that when, when Peter has screwed up big time, he has failed majorly. He has betrayed Jesus over and over again. So every time he sees Jesus, all he can feel now is his failure. And the question Jesus asks him is, do you love me? Do you love me? So that's what we're going to tackle today. Do you love Jesus? How do you address 
your failure, and maybe you love Jesus, or you love the people around, and, and, and your failures just seems to keep separating you from them. So read with me John 21, 15 through 25. It says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, so take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. In the very last verse, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And amazing. So our context here is this. Is the last story we just went through is Jesus has invited the disciples who just got done with the night of fishing unsuccessfully. And then he, he invites them to fish on the other side of the boat, remember, in the daylight. And they, they catch fish, and Peter realizes it's Jesus, so he dives in. And, and they all come in, and he invites them to share breakfast with them. And so they've just finished eating breakfast, and, and Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, uh, Peter, uh, do you mind if we just talk alone? Peter knows that it's time for the conversation that he has both dreaded and looked forward to. He's dreaded because every time he sees Jesus, all he can remember is his failure and his betrayal. But he's looked forward to it because he also knows that he'll only find freedom if the conversation finally happens. Right? How do you confront your failure? Well, if this was the first time Peter had failed, maybe it would be easier, right? Um, I can think of times when um, it's the first time I've ever confessed to somebody, right? And, and it's, it's easier that time, right? I remember when a couple of years ago, right, we brought on new elders. And as we started meeting together, we would, we would practice what I like to call reckless confession, which we would, we would just confess this is what's on our heart. And, and the first time's the easiest. It feels so good. You feel free, right? But then you keep screwing up. <laughs> you keep failing. You're not perfect after that. And it's hard. It's, 
you, you start feeling like, man, how do I drag myself into the light again, right? To confess, to be honest, so that my sins can be forgiven, which is what it says in the scripture. And, and Peter, this is not the first time he's screwed up. And so I think every time he sees Jesus, he hears that rooster crow again and he thinks, how, how can I ever talk about this? And so Jesus himself invites Peter into this conversation. And here we get to see what happens. Our first point right now is uh, that Jesus confronts Peter. And he confronts him faithfully like Jesus does with each of us by talking about the things that we don't know how to talk about. Guys, you know this. Like, (laughs) to know Jesus is to know that he constantly is willing to go the places in your life that you aren't yet willing to go, right? (laughs) To know Jesus is to know that he is willing to go to those places that we aren't yet willing to go ourselves. Because this is the reason. Because Jesus... His plan for salvation is not to keep you halfway healed. (laughs) Amen, right? Like Sometimes we'd be content by being halfway healed. We're like, I think we've worked a lot so far, Jesus. I'm good. You good? Right? (laughs) Like, I'm not ready for that other part of me to be talked about yet. And yet Jesus' plan of salvation is a full life, life to the fullest, right? Which means full healing for you. And so, so... Jesus presses in with Peter, and three times he asks him this question, do you love me? But the first time is interesting. He says this, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, what is Jesus talking about? What, what is these? And there's, there's two, I think, two possibilities here, but, but both, and I think both maybe even are true. One possibility is this, that when Jesus says, do you love me more than these, he's talking about the fishing boats and the fish that that Peter, after his failure, goes back to all that he has known because he feels like his calling is lost. Jesus has once said, Peter, you are are my, Simon, son of John, you are my rock. And Peter was like, yeah, I am. I'm the rock. And so, so he he took that seriously. He wanted to protect Jesus. He wanted to kind of lead Jesus' ministry. And then he kept failing and kept failing. And so finally, he just goes back to what he's familiar with. And the Bible describes this sometimes as going like a dog going back to its own vomit, right? He just kind of goes back to his life going, I just think I screwed up so Jesus doesn't want me anymore, right? That's where he's at. So Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more and these things that I've called you away from into my service. The second possibility is this, that, that Peter, who constantly was trying to prove himself as being the better disciple, the best disciple, I think Jesus might have been saying, do you love me more than these? Pointing to the other disciples. Peter, you had said that even if all other people fall away, you won't fall away. In John 13, we see the disciples arguing who is the best. And so maybe Jesus is like, do you still think you're the best? Do you you love me more than these? And, And Peter, Peter knows. 
He knows one thing, that he loves Jesus, but he cannot love Jesus in the way that Jesus is calling him to love. And we know this because of this. This, this is fascinating, and we don't get this just reading the English text, but when, when Jesus asked Peter the question, there's a couple different ways of saying love in the Greek, and, and when Jesus says, do you love me? He says, do you agape me? Do you love me like God loves? Do you love generously, without reserve, full of grace? Right? A love that is free, right? That's agape love. And Jesus says, do you love me in this way? And Peter, this is fascinating, Peter says, I, you know I phileo. You, you know I love you like a brother. Jesus says, do you love me like God loves? And Peter says, I I love you in the only way I'm capable of loving you. And so the second time, Jesus asks him again, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Peter responds again, I phileo. I, I love you like a human being can love. That's the only way. And so the third time Jesus presses in, he says, do you love me with a phileo love? Do you love me like a man? And Peter, as we go on to verse 18, he says he is hurt. And I think something in him broke at this moment. He, Jesus was, was drilling in deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, his heart breaks and he says he's hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. And he says, you know all things. You know this is the only way I can love you. This is the only way I am capable of loving is in this way. Jesus has confronted Peter and pushing deeper and deeper and deeper. Peter knows his shame fully, his guilt fully. He knows his failure fully. And so then Jesus, in this incredible way, reaffirms Peter's calling. That's our second point. So Jesus confronts Peter's failure, but now he reaffirms Peter's calling in this masterful way. And read this with me. He says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And it says this. It says that this is indicating the way that Peter would die. The crazy thing is this, that Peter, follow me here, Peter has always felt out of control when death is talked about, right? You remember when when Jesus said, I'm going to give my life for the world. And what did Peter do? He said, no, you will never do that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, right? Like, Peter feels out of control when death's talked about. When Jesus was in the garden, Judas betrays him. The soldiers come to lead Jesus' way to die. And Peter takes out a sword and just starts hacking at people. Right? Because Peter wants to feel in control. And Peter does not feel in control anymore when death is talked about. So now Jesus presses in and says, and not only will I die. And Jesus, he saw, rise from the dead, conquered death. And he says, you, Peter, you will die in this way, but I want you to follow me. He says, Peter, you've lost control, but you're still called. Right? As long, guys, this is, this is important. As long as you are first in your own life, as long as you try to remain in control in your own life, 
you will never be able to follow Jesus. Right? You'll never be able to walk in your calling. Oftentimes we try to make our calling into a formula, right? If I do these things, we try to make Christianity into a formula, and yet Jesus is inviting simply to follow. Christianity isn't about a formula, it's about following Jesus. And it's only in following Jesus that we can walk out of our failures. But guys, we get distracted from this, right? Jesus has been so gracious and loving and welcomed Peter into this one-on-one conversation. Literally, he's been like, hey, let's go away. And so they're walking along the shoreline together, having this beautiful conversation where Jesus is restoring Peter and happily ever after, right? Peter gets it. No, Peter doesn't get it. Because what Peter does is they're walking and he looks around and he's like, what about John? Because John, see, John is the disciple Jesus loved. And so while Peter and Jesus are walking along the shoreline, John's just like tailing behind because he loves Jesus so much. And he's like, hey, when you're done, Jesus, can we we get some more time together? And so this is just the scenario that we're given is John awkwardly cannot get enough of Jesus. And so he just wants to be in his presence. And so Peter, looking around, he's like, okay, you've called me. What about, what about John? Comparison. Nothing will kill your calling like trying to compare with other people. Nothing will kill your calling like trying to compare yourself with other people. Guys, this is incredible. Comparison, there's three things I want to tell you about comparison. The first is this. Comparison is the best way to distance yourself from other people. Right? If you are comparing yourself with others, the whole world, the whole, every single person, even your family, will be divided into two categories. People who are better than you or people who are worse than you and you will always be lonely. If you try comparing yourself with other people, people are going to be better or worse than you and you will always be only you all by yourself. Comparison is the most lonely place to be. It will, you will never be able to experience true fellowship because even in moments of intimacy with other people, you'll be comparing yourself with them. And Jesus wants to rescue Peter from that. Right? The second thing is this, that comparison is the quickest route to dissatisfaction. Why? Why is comparison the quickest route to dissatisfaction? Why? Because you are looking for approval in the wrong place. You're looking for approval in the wrong place. And and this is important because when you are comparing yourself with other people, who's the judge? You're the judge. You're both the judge and the jury and you have no grace for yourself. You are just critical of yourself. It's amazing how in an attempt to make ourselves better, make our self-made We hurt ourselves so much. And lastly, comparison takes away the ability to hear your calling. Guys, the the voice of Jesus is so often silenced by the voice in our own head trying to compare ourselves with other people. Either trying to boast over people or filled with self-hatred because we do not match up. There's this incredible song um, by a guy named Keith Green. And uh, 
somebody came up to me last gathering and they were like, surprised you know Keith Green. Keith Green, kind of an old time artist. Um, but he has a song and he says this, he says, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. That's what comparison is. Comparison, you think you're looking at other people, but you're just looking at yourself. And you will never be able to walk in your calling. Peter felt his failure so profoundly because he couldn't get his eyes off himself. When he saw Jesus, he just saw his own failures. And Jesus generously was trying to free him from that. The big idea, right, is that you and Jesus see your failures differently. What do we mean by this? Is that we, we see our failures and we remember our failures as things that disqualify us from ever really being able to enjoy God or walk in his calling. God is wanting to use our failures to uniquely qualify us for our calling. See, failures are our way of looking back, looking back, looking back. And Jesus, by faith, is calling us to look forward because he is faithful. See, this is the crazy thing, guys, is when we fail, what oftentimes we feel is that God was like, you know, I probably shouldn't have sent Jesus. That was a bad idea. Like, they just screwed up. Right? We're like, like God loved us up to the point where we screwed up. And then we're like, God, God's probably just doubting that he ever wanted me on his team. No, because God so loved the world that he came for you in your moment of sin, your moments of sin, to invite you to walk with him in forgiveness and restoration and freedom. When you fail, God did not, does not regret sending Jesus. And he is not surprised. What he is doing in that moment, see, God is, we believe God is omnipresent. That means in those moments of failure, when you feel like God was not around, God was present. And God saw what was happening. And he saw the response in your heart. And he meets you like he met Peter, saying, do you love me? And you know what happens in our heart? Our heart says, yes, but I only know how to love you like a human being. And God goes, I know. I know. That's the only way you know how to love me. So walk by faith, not by sight. Because being a Christian is not about a formula. It's about following Jesus. Following him, being forgiven over and over and over again. Letting him restore you. And restore those failures to make them a part of your story. And use them to be a part of your unique calling. Are you with me? This is crazy. You guys are like sleeping out there. Like, this is amazing. Is that literally got all your past. Like, as you look past and live in comparison, God is changing you and saying, look forward in faith. Those things can become new things, right? Because with eyes of faith, we see God. And we no longer are looking at ourselves. And that's what God wants for you. God, and it is so true that when we put our faith in him, that he has for us life and life to the full. And that full life is him filling us. 
right? Taking our failures, past, present, and future failures, and saying, follow me. I'm in this with you. Guys, God has been so good to us, and even today, he is reaching out to you, and he is saying this. He's saying, some of you, some of us, when we hear failures, and honestly, it's hard to use the word failure so much in a sermon, because I know that when you hear that, some, some of us have this block that we hear condemnation when we hear the word failure. But there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Romans 8, 1, like it's truth. <laughs> like there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus and he is aware of your sin but he's inviting you to follow him and he will make us a people like Peter, right? This is, so the title of the sermon was Confronting Failure is a Foundation for Success. What does that mean? That means as the gospel of John ends, what opens up is the acts of the Holy Spirit where Peter and his buddies who are profound failure, they go and they turn the world upside down. And that's what God can do in us also. If we look with eyes of faith forward and let God take care of the past. Pray with me. Oh God, I can think of ways today <laughs> that I've, I've just needed forgiveness for. It's so good to know that you are aware of all those things and we can come to you and be united in heart and mind together because you're healing our hearts. Not halfway, you're not content with us keeping some of our darkness, but you're going to hold us completely and make us yours, both now and forevermore. You're making a forever people here. And I pray that that these beautiful people here, when they hear the word failure, they will think, of your invitation, follow me. And we'll just leave those things behind. We'll take you at your word and we'll fix our eyes on you. God, we love you. Thank you for these promises in Jesus Christ.